everybody welcome back to the cabin my name is sean james and i am the host of my self-reliance podcasts and youtube channels and sean james youtube channel so if you're new to the channel or you're new to the podcast basically i'm living as self-reliant a life as possible and i've been building that for the last 10 years and i've been sharing it online and now at this point i'm talking to other people that um not only can, can help us on our continue on our journey to self-reliance you know, through uh, um, kind of self-reliance skills and philosophies so hearing other people's perspectives but then also sharing that and hopefully you can pick something up from experts where like I always say I'm not an expert I'm just a typical jack-of-all-trades so I'm all right at a bunch of things and collectively that makes a pretty decent life I think self-reliant life but I'm not an expert in any one of those things so I'm trying to find and interview experts in various you know parts of the self-reliance lifestyle anyway uh, this conversation with jim baird i hope you find it interesting um kelly and i are about to take off and i think it's probably take about an hour to get there and this storm that's raging outside that's just starting is going to continue for the next 24 hours and bury us so hopefully i can get back here all right <laughs> back here into the bush before it uh really socks us in anyway let's get into that interview right now thanks for listening welcome back to about the cabin this time with jim baird at his house again we're re-filming podcasts we filmed when was that the beginning of december i think so yeah. it was december yeah and i lost my hard drive as you all know and uh i don't know if i can come up with another hour to talk to jim or not but we're gonna give it a go try see if that was pretty good i was actually happy with that i thought we yeah some pretty i don't know topics. if i'm ever going to be able to sound that smart again for the rest of my life unlikely mm-hmm. <laughs> well oh, so i don't even know where to start i mean what first of all i guess what i was mm-hmm. what we started off talking about which was unique we had both just got back from a trip out west mm-hmm. and there was some overlap and then now since since we um since we filmed that uh, podcast you've released half of that series let's yeah. say and i've been watching it and see that some of the places on your way out to where you did your canoe trip were identical were exactly the campsites that we had started oh no at, kidding pretty cool cool yeah yeah all yeah. yeah. oh, right well i know you stayed even much closer to the east on the north shore superior yeah superior yeah. and then out in bc that's fraser lake or whatever it was mm-hmm. called that was go oh, up oh yeah yeah the, there's fraser lake uh on the on highway 37a yeah, I don't even know yeah. the highway because we hit it on the way back through. Uh-huh. So this would have ended up being probably a week after you were there, and the mm-hmm. fire had gone swept through exactly uh-huh. that area. Wow! And it it, um, it shut it down. Mm-hmm. So we were camping in smoke basically, and wow. the, the recreation area was actually closed. But we're like, okay, it's bedtime, or like, yeah, we're just pulling in and we're staying there. So we had the whole place to ourselves. Right, cool. right. Yeah, I guess there's, there's always a silver lining. Well, <laughs> yeah. we're, we're, we're bursting into flames, yeah. but hey, we got the place to ourselves. Yeah, and that area is pretty <laughs> sketchy, so you don't want to be in one of the towns. Yeah, crazy. That, that uh, stretch is pretty, it's one of the unsafest small towns in Canada. Oh, really? I looked up, yeah, like Prince George and a couple other towns. Oh, like, interesting. Yeah. 
Interesting. Yeah, nobody really fucks with me. I'm six foot five, like a Viking. Like, <laughs> well, these people wouldn't have the capability anyway. Where yeah. we were going through town, because yeah. we were all strung out, like right. lying in the streets and everything. It was huh. never seen that. Before. I've seen that a little bit out west, like Winnipeg and and uh, like, yeah. like uh, certain certain areas. But yeah, yeah, it's too bad. Yeah. Anyway, I'm, I'm really a big pussy though. I'm not really tough at all. So <laughs> I know, know I'm taking you. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> just feed you some alcohol and push you over. <laughs> yeah, it shouldn't take too long. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, so anyway, that trip was pretty cool that you guys did. Mm-hmm. Um, I didn't, like I was expecting based on your complaints about the weather that it was mm-hmm. going to be horrendous, but you actually had, you know, so far in the series at least, the weather wasn't that bad. Yeah, it was, uh, the drive was for the most part good. Yeah. Where it really got interesting was when we got onto the lower Stikine River and it started, you know, with a drive out west. We were more or less self-sufficient. Like we brought all our food. We had a camper, a small teardrop camper trailer, finding places to sort of call home for the night along the way. But then we jumped over to a canoe trip down the Stikine River and we had our two little kids, Hudson, who's two and Wesley who's five and also has some severe disabilities so that comes with challenges as well and uh, loaded them all into an 18 foot canoe and the weather started out nice but that trip the Sikkim goes into northern coastal rainforest so you do get rain but when you're like but we got like put it this way you could have done that same trick 10 times and not have as much rain as we mm. like that's like a one out of 10 yeah, yeah. amount of rain it's not unheard of yeah but the, uh, the first time i did the stikine was i think 20 uh 2007 and we had the opposite we had like ridiculously perfect like probably one of the only like uh, five really sunny days a year once we were in the rainforest that we got and this time was like when i had my kids was just like you know rain and then it just rained and rained and rained and then you go to bed and you'd be like it's pouring rain you wake up in the middle of the night and you're like is it still raining this hard and then you wake up the next morning and it's still raining that hard and then they just keep no and then the all day the next day and then the same thing the night after that like for like days dude uh, it's funny and so <laughs> obviously going to provide links in the description of this video and the podcast but if you don't know jim him and his brother ron alone's where they probably first started i mean you had a public image to -hmm. to some degree before that but that Mm -hmm. kind of put you on the map i would think made you more of a household name Mm -hmm. Uh, but what's interesting is that with the family and the kids because how long ago was alone so alone was uh, 2017. So before what, six years ago, yeah. Or before so, uh, Wesley was born, right? Yeah. So I was uh, yeah. before that. I was doing like a lot of freelancing work for outdoor magazines, mostly yeah. like web-based stuff. Yeah, yeah. And uh, which was cool. I got to do some really cool stuff, but it was it was a struggle. So alone was kind of a break for me, and it was after alone, I won, which you get to get money when you win, which is nice. <laughs> and uh, then I used some of that to basically start you know hang on to more of my business i still contribute to magazines and stuff but now i i kind of hung on to the footage put it on my own platforms and i'm super lucky that like more than just my mom didn't watch you know which is just like she doesn't watch anymore not really (laughs) she (laughs) pretends to and she's just like (laughs) my dad's right into it but yeah oh yeah yeah he loves it but uh yeah so i started uh getting into that once I won a loan because then I had some money that I could say, okay, I could take a little bit of a risk yeah. and I film this and edit yeah. for a YouTube channel. I won't, and only my mom watches, I'm not gonna like lose my ass, yeah. you know what I mean? 
Um, so, and then also I got married and uh, had a kid after that too because what? I didn't feel like I'd be raising them in poverty to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? yeah, well, when so. did you get married? Uh, so, uh, oh, geez. What uh, year? You don't know the year? 2018. So it was after. Yeah. Really? So, so when I started talking to you, I thought you were up here. How long have you been in this house? I guess about six years. So we moved up here. Tori was pregnant with Wesley when we moved up here. So you were married? Yeah. Yeah. Married, moved up here right yeah. after alone, basically. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So we started talking around that period. For the first oh, time that's right. before so you were on alone. Would I have had Wesley yet by that? Because I remember when I met you, we were, you were here the first time, and me and Ted were, were hanging out. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe we... Maybe we well, we had been baby. talking before that, so you know, yes. we met first that time in person here, mm -hmm. but we had been talking about organizing a moose trip before you were on alone, because that's right. what I joked about a couple of times before that I uh, was communicating with you. We were talking mm -hmm. about a trip, and then you went, you ghosted me. And then I think oh, Tori messaged that's right. me and said Jim's away. Mm -hmm. And then I found out afterwards that you were mm -hmm. filming alone at the time. Well, you were not allowed to talk about mm -hmm. it. So you signed this big agreement, this big scary agreement that you're not going <laughs> to yeah. tell anybody where you are and what you're yeah. doing because they don't want to... Uh, the lid to be both social media somebody finds out oh so-and-so is on a loan and it gets on the internet and then they share it around so they want to keep it a surprise who's going to be the cast and definitely who wins right so you got to yeah. be very like yeah you, you know, can't be shot. back early and then uh, people are like, <coughs> I guess he didn't win because we knew he went there and now he's back a week later like one of the other yeah. friends I had some people that were kind of figured they're like well judging by when your social media posts stopped and then when they picked up again that's a long time so i don't know who the hell is lasting longer than that so mm, we think wow. you won so i had somebody say that yeah, yeah. you know people are allowed to make whatever guesses they want to make you know that's what i mean what calculated yeah. or not some of them weren't very calculated yeah. but you know i'm just not allowed to say whether they're right or wrong yeah that was the first uh, season i actually watched yeah we haven't seen any of it and i've only watched a season i think since then probably one when uh when Kai was on it. Mm -hmm. That was pretty cool up on Great Slave Lake. Yeah, that's pretty yeah. a nice big place to do it. Yeah, I was I actually worked for the Alone Production oh, yeah. team during that. Yeah. So we were staying at Plumber's Lodge, mm. which is a fly-in remote uh, fishing lodge that you know, it's not really the heyday for that lodge anymore. Um, but mm. there's so there's a lot of buildings there, and it's not really a, a winter place. It's like a three-season yeah, right. place. Yeah. So literally, some people mm. after I left, I went there. Was still some open water, and um, uh, you know, after I left, it was minus ten in people's cabins, minus forty mm. outside, minus thirty-eight outside, mm -hmm. minus Celsius, minus ten in the cabins. For me, it wasn't exactly warm because they just had like a basic sort of propane oh, heat thing and the lodge yeah and uh but it was pretty cool so my job working for the production team was essentially just like hanging out with the people who tapped out and um you know because they could relate to me a lot more and i found it to be super interesting that the people that tapped out that i talked to had such a similar came to like some of the exact same conclusions i did about what really survival was actually mm -hmm. like and what they had taken for granted and all that kind of stuff. So I was actually able to connect with them. I, I did felt bad that I went one. Yeah, yeah. Though it's like, how can I connect with these people that tapped out when I went away in glory? Yeah, I'm like, hey, you want to borrow a couple bucks? You know what I mean? <laughs> <laughs> you know? But uh, no, I made some good friends that way. And then during my downtime, mm -hmm. 
I'm fishing on the eastern arm of Great Slave wow. Lake, and there's an area there where there's just some natural lake current because all these rivers kind of pour into this upper basin. And even though it's the same elevation as the rest of the lake, that kind of has to push through and narrows. And you just cast from shore, Sean, and you're just like, 15 pound lake trout you're right from shore this this log has been there since the 70s mm -hmm. and i'm catching them ones with orange fins ones with yellow fins ones with uh white fins you know and i actually got some time to go out with the guide who was staying on with the production as a caretaker he's like the main guide bob i forget his last time he's famous dude and got to go out on like a privately guided thing and i'm like this is a dream job <laughs> you know so that's anyway awesome. yeah so anyways I yeah that's that. bucket list for me to get up there actually yeah did you catch anything big when you're in on the boat nothing big and I, I i talked to the the guide bob who was like i said he was still just working as a caretaker he wasn't actually guiding because yeah. it was only production team and he's like, oh, yeah, all the, only the little ones are around here at this time of year. And I'm, mm. see, I'm just catching, like, giant, probably 18, 20-pound lake trout. He's like, oh, yeah, only, <laughs> only little ones now. I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> yeah, so nothing nothing probably bigger than 20 pounds. Yeah, so. yeah, still cool. Yeah. yeah. So that's, uh, that's, so that would have been, how long ago was that? That's five years ago, maybe? Uh, well, I, I guess a little less than that, because there was there was this season that, uh, the first season that was up on Great Slave Lake, they called it Alone the Arctic. Yeah, I don't know if it's technically the Arctic, but like yeah. close enough, you know what I mean? Yeah. And then um, and they did two. So they did the first one, which is where Jordan won, who was on mm -hmm. Joe oh. Rogan or whatever. Yeah. Then the second one was that guy Roland, who's the Alaskan guide. He won where Kai Maroney was on it. Which yeah. is, you know, he shot the muskox. So. Yeah, yeah, and Jordan got a moose and like beat a wolverine to death with an axe and all yeah, this yeah. Really crazy, like crazy, uh, like it was a lot colder there, but compared to where my season was, there was a lot more food. Really? Know? Oh yeah, yeah. Like huh. it was colder, but also where I was, it was just an insane damp cold. Yeah. And like, so there was kind of food for me, but that was all stuff at, at low tide where, you know, you're eating like limpets and stuff that has like almost zero fat in it. Mm. And the fishing was very bad, borderline unreliable from where we were. So, you know, there you really had the opportunity to, bunnies are super, uh, super uh yeah right abundant uh, yeah. with lean too but you could snare bunnies you can catch mm. big you know huge lake trout you actually have a legitimate opportunity to get a moose you yeah, know right, yeah, yeah 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 and it's more of a landscape that you're used to especially but even yeah. here it's com more comparable to here than it is to to uh uh, Vancouver Island, right. like a top tropical, not a tropical, but a rainforest. Exactly. Yeah. 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 That would have been challenging. People don't underestimate survival from the perspective of mm -hmm. the the dampness and the temp the temperatures and yeah. else too. Mm -hmm. you, yeah, we got away with having like a, a pretty basic shelter because we built like a platform. Everything's an underwater river in, mm -hmm. in the northern yeah, river, right. Vancouver Island. So when it mm -hmm. rains the river almost comes through the ground and starts flooding. So you can be thinking that you're camped in a perfectly dry area and you can hear water trickling under and the next thing you know, you're camping in water. So Ted and I sort of saw this was about to happen. Then going back and, and watching the show after, we saw it actually did happen to a bunch of other groups. So we ended up building 
a raised platform and we ended up just with with trees and the amount of trees i think we needed like 21 trees this big just to build this platform by putting one log after the other and the amount of energy just to source those normal size logs yeah, right. so we're in a, a, a spot where it's mostly old growth mm. so we're talking about trees from me to you mm -hmm. so how you can't access any of the branches everything's huge <laughs> so to get just the wood for that we were walking over these huge undulating hills bushwhacking a lot of it's hemlock which you know ain't the lightest either right like mm -hmm. it's pretty dragging it back you're already tired you're already hungry it's waterlogged so, i guess oh and it's soaked yeah so it weighs a million pounds so <laughs> our shelter because of that we ended up being like you know what this is too much work to really put any time we are on mm -hmm. northern vancouver i got down to minus 10 but we had sleeping bags that were good to minus 30 so what we did to compensate is when we had a fire every day to, to cook we just take the hot rocks from around the side mm -hmm. and just tuck them all into our sleeping bag yeah and that's what we did so we actually had a, a more or less a, a shelter that was kind of open on the front and just mm -hmm. like almost a bed with uh with um, you know, an A-frame over it, mm -hmm. but uh, yeah, if we were up on Great Slave Lake, like we just would have died. Yeah, it's really that thing. Like, yeah, would have been you know game over. Yeah, they would have just found a couple popsicles <laughs> sleeping in that thing. You know, yeah, you know? it's a fascinating series, and it's become a lot more mainstream than it was in the yeah. first season or two. So it's actually, a, I mean, good to win it, obviously, but. It's also uh, getting respect even amongst people that know anything about survival or wilderness mm -hmm. living because it's a little bit more authentic than... Yeah, than, uh, well you have to, everything self-shot so you don't have a, yeah. a camera crew. So you're really out there freaking yeah, yeah. surviving. And yeah. how uh, you can't fake losing 25% of your body weight. Yeah. You know what I mean? Which is what I, I think I lost 26% of my body weight. Well, yeah. well you could use it now. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> What's that self-filming thing? That's interesting yeah. because I watched, you know, you know, just as entertainment, I watched one of the uh, bow hunting um, YouTube videos. Yeah. And I'm like, they got not, I don't film for that purpose, but any time I have taken the camera out, and I did a few times on my hunts this year, mm -hmm. just messing around with the camera, trying to capture that, you just messes up the opportunity. Yeah. So you can imagine being in a survival situation. Yeah like you are on that show it's like oh i better get the camera and set it up which is why you know some of the big game hunts don't get you know caught on camera because you're too focused on actually getting the animal and what do you want the shot yeah or, the, or this you know days and days and money and so much logistics mm -hmm. and time and everything's been put in and you get one freaking chance mm -hmm. do you want to be bungling around with the camera mm -hmm. and that's why those guys on the hunting shows they have to have a dedicated cameraman mm -hmm. To be there following yeah you know what i mean yeah. I, I had that um with uh um a grouse that i i managed mm. to get the camera set up and throw a stick at this thing and i honestly it was near perfect throw but i missed by an inch and the reason i know that is because at night i'd watch like, the replays <laughs> yeah, right. of like yeah you know with trying not to waste too much battery but yeah. i'd watch it rewind and slow it down and be like oh <laughs> and I throw this thing at this partridge and it just the stick just like less than an inch underneath it but I was super worried that okay I'm coming up I'm gonna set my camera up here yeah the right. GoPro flew off my head and smashed on some rocks <laughs> you know what I mean and I managed to capture it but yeah like the odds on it spooking were pretty high yeah you know? so, so that's so that challenge with the um, with self-filming mm -hmm. you're I would say and I haven't I try not to compliment you because it goes to your head so quickly. But yeah, I'm just so full of myself. <laughs> but the uh, 
the, your footage and your um, editing on the YouTube channel, I think. I'm not mm -hmm. sure if that's still you, all you doing it, or if you mm -hmm. and Tori share that, or how you do it, but... Actually, <coughs> Tori's editing, Tori's in the house right now, editing okay. our BC trip. Um, she just finished editing the one where we lost our canoe. Mm -hmm. Talk about, like, there's always something else to learn, right? Like, I've been doing this for 18 years, you know what I mean? And... Uh, you know, I think my canoe is, is secured. Well, you know, guess what? It's not. Mm -hmm. And this crazy, beautiful day, all of a sudden, gale force winds blow up out of nowhere. We got the kids with us, sands blowing in our eyes. We're frantically trying to guide down the tent. And I'm watching the video footage. It doesn't really do it justice. You know, if we mm -hmm. didn't have a good tent, it would have just been flattened. But I yeah. got like this MSR mountain, Mount Everest mountaineering tent. You can camp on K2 in this thing. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? And, you know, I, because it was foolishly, I should have run over as the tent's blowing. We're trying to guide it down using rocks and sticks. I should have checked on the canoe, but I thought, I was thinking, oh, you know, it'll be okay because, you know, it's way up on the beach. And, it's, yeah, you it's know, a, if it blows in way and it's tied up to this yeah. log and if it blows away, it's going to uh, blow into the woods. Well, woke up the next morning, got out of the tent, no canoe. <laughs> So, and so, so you're, yeah, so you're you, down a river, remote area yeah. with your family of yeah, all things yeah. that you're, you know, you're you're protecting them. It's yeah, your, yeah, yeah. And here's me just blowing it. Yeah. And uh, you know, which I, which you got to own. And then so yeah. that that's embarrassing to put on YouTube too. But you got to be able to <laughs> show failure. Yeah. So what ended up happening was it broke it broke free. So there's just like a log in the beach like this, like kind of like this. So I tied it under the mm -hmm. log, yeah. but it was just a, kind of like a, a, a loop. Yeah. What happened was the wind blew it so hard. If the wind was coming the other direction, we would have been fine. But it just, the loop went under the log like this and then it blew probably about 50 meters into a stream and then washed down the stream into the river. <laughs> you know what I mean? And like, let me tell you the heart attack. Like, oh, like yeah. the kid, I'm like, did we put it over there? Yeah, right, yeah, did yeah. Put it yeah. Over? You know, disbelief. like, sorry, the canoe's gone. You know what I mean? <clears throat> Total panic. And so the answer is like, do you need, like, do you blame yourself that you didn't reinforce your, your weld roll bars into your car roof because a tornado blew a tree down on yeah. it and crushed it? You're yeah. like, this is your fault. If you have once in a lifetime gale force winds, should you tie up your canoe to prepare for a once in a lifetime storm every time you tie up your canoe? I mean, maybe the answer is yes. Maybe at least just do a better job of tying it up. You know what I mean? Well, I mean, yeah. obviously it's a, it's a mis mm. obviously didn't work. So it didn't work. No. So the answer is, of course, you, yeah. There, I guess you do have to take that extra step. Would yeah. You, would you do it normally? Yeah, probably not. I mean, it's. Mm. But hindsight is being hindsight's yeah. twenty twenty. But the I guess the, I would imagine. I don't know what the comments are like, mm. but I would imagine because we're thinking as we're watching this entire series and a lot of things you're doing with your families that it's a lot to take on with two young kids and mm. one with uh, special needs. So. Well, fortunately, there's alcohol. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. Um, yeah, I'm so, kidding. Uh, so I have, well, yes and no, but we have, uh, yeah, we, we, you know, you don't have, it, it, there's no time to hang out and have a drink kind of thing. You know yeah. what I mean? Like, there's not really, maybe sometimes when the kids are, when the kids are asleep or whatever with dinner or something like that, but yeah, there's not as much time to just hang out and have adult time, the amount of time that you have to break camp 
compared to in the amount of time that you have to make camp and feed the kids and everything is way bigger. So the mm. distance you mm-hmm. think you can travel every day yeah. is greatly reduced, you know, and yeah. then the kid starts having a meltdown and then he shits himself and you gotta, you know, you're changing diapers and they're screaming and then you gotta pull over to collect more sticks because if he doesn't have sticks to throw over inside, <laughs> he's gonna get grumpy, you know what I mean? So you gotta keep them happy yeah. and dry, but, you know what I one of the things I did notice from that I, I just I said at what point do we start caring about our our being wet and about hmm. our feet being cold or even about bugs and these kind of things like we me and, me and Tori were stressed so I guess because the kids don't understand what the consequences of these things might be but I just see these kids and they haven't learned that they need to feel uncomfortable yeah. and they just don't like they they kids didn't care they didn't know the danger of the canoe they're having an absolute blast and with that rain and keeping them soaked and they don't know that you know we only have one pair of dry clothes and now dad's got to chop wood and sit up drying clothes under the tarp till one in the morning you know trying not to let the wind blow the rain on them and you know they don't have to think about that extra amount of work and maybe that's why but they just seem to just be thriving out there man you know? Yeah. Well, it's our natural environment. Yeah. That people lose sight of that. They think that's the unusual thing. That's yeah. where I was going with that. That the, you've got to be taking some criticism, thinking that people thinking that you're putting your family at risk. And why don't you guys yeah. just go camping like everybody else does and you know, like drive a to camp? Person. Yeah. I mean, yeah. and that's what you you can't. The thing is, that's that's the risk. Is that yeah. you can uh, run into freak windstorms, mm-hmm. even if you're super prepared. Stuff happens. But I think the answer too is that everything has a risk and you can't do something that you're not comfortable with like we we like to push our boundaries do something raise the bar um with something that you're not comfortable with with ourselves sure and even to a little bit of an extent with the kids but i think with me it's something that because i i have the experience i do i feel comfortable taking the kids out there so for me it's not as scary or as dangerous as it might be like someone else. Like for example, Alex Honnell can climb El Capitan without a rope. Could you imagine if I was to climb Mm -hmm. El Capitan without Mm -hmm. a rope? So, you know, me looking at Alex Honnell, I probably think he's way crazier than he actually is because for him, he probably knows every handhold and it's just like, it's like clockwork to him. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Maybe that's a bad example. Well, no, because put him in a canoe and he probably doesn't have the the confidence that you have and he shouldn't be taking his family on it. Yeah, exactly. So I just feel like it's something I can do, especially for my son, Wesley, who has who has developmental uh, delays because he has Fox G1 syndrome. You know, I'm not a neuroscientist. I'm not uh, uh, expert at physiotherapy, but being in nature is really good for him, which we've heard again and again. And that's something that I actually have the skill to do with him to help him. And we've seen his his core muscles strengthen. Mm-hmm. We've seen him his sitting improve. And even more exciting than that, we've just seen his overall awareness improve by just looking at the scenery you can see it on yeah. camera i've watched yeah. his progress yeah over the years on camera yeah like remember when we drove by bear glacier and mm-hmm. he's like looking yeah, at yeah. him he's smiling and he yeah. can see it and his muscles don't move his head doesn't move in a typical way mm-hmm. so it's sometimes hard to tell if he's looking mm-hmm. at something but just to see him look at that scenery see it go by and take it in and smile or see an animal is mm-hmm. like really awesome that i don't think he would have got if we weren't traveling in the outdoors with him in that kind of way you yeah know? yeah and interacting yeah. with hudson and the freedom that they both have just yeah to... oh yeah you see huddy just running around no <laughs> shoes on eh? you it's know? funny man he's a yeah. character yeah oh man what a personality that kid. yeah yeah, yeah. yeah.
Is he here today? Yeah, he's at daycare today. Oh, he's at, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, he goes to daycare, or, or else we wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, this, we, this would not be like this. <laughs> no. He'd be like jet dancing on the table, singing "We Will Rock You" by Queen. That's what new. He goes like, <laughs> and he goes, it's just oh, like, that's yeah, it's adorable, but that's yeah. crazy. Yeah, yeah but Tori, I was gonna say, Tori's the one editing all okay. that kind of stuff. I do, I still do a lot of my editing, but I bumped up to shooting in 4K now, and then I also am just taking extra time to just. Because I have a, my my charging and batteries more dialed in now than mm. I did, so I can keep things charged. So I'm breaking out that drone every time. Yeah. I'm setting up that camera on shore. That effort. Yeah, and also one of the things, the Heart River was a little bit easier and had a little more time than the Bonnet Plume, which was just this raging mm. white water around every turn. So yeah. it's hard to set a camera up and go back and get it, yeah, and right. you know, all the time. So I'm really forcing myself to take that extra time to capture. Uh, that element and then I am working too with another editor who's cutting some of the stuff so I have time to do things like podcasts and you know still editing some of the stuff myself too so yeah it's a it's a lot of work as you know all too well yeah it's a lot of work but the storytelling is part of it's um, you know one of the most important components of mm. of the editing and the capturing of it and that like missing those shots and I find myself getting and I've been lazier I would say lately actually mm -hmm. so it's not like I'm improving that way mm -hmm. but stopping and getting that drone footage like you guys went even on your road trip the amount of times you would stop to film the car like mm -hmm. the driving away or driving to or mm -hmm. drone footage of, of the driving yeah like that delays a trip significantly it really does yeah. but to not have it because you can't just re it's not like you get home and say I'll just pull some b-roll from some other thing and yeah. insert it there because yeah. it doesn't fit there's no context different place different vehicle etc yeah. etc it's kind of become almost a little second nature to me but i do notice that now when i'm so focused on following the story and getting all the shots i'm not maybe not i, I probably do have on it's probably given me just through photography honestly a keener eye in somewhere yeah, to like sure. spot where that beginning of the portage is or to spot an animal and stuff mm -hmm. like that but overall i think my like general when i'm filming a trip so intently my kind of general awareness of like like i used to be able to tell when i was going to see an animal before i saw it mm -hmm. and that happened to me like a bunch i still can but it's it still that happened to me a bunch of times and i'm like i'm just going to start saying this to see if it's really true <laughs> or not so i just started saying i'm like okay be quiet we're about to see an animal and sure sure enough you'd see i'd be like oh i guess i was wrong and then five deer would be bounding along the side of the river mm -hmm. and the first time me and tori did this uh with the magneto one before we lived here i did that mm -hmm. and with the four deer tori's just like wow you know what i mean <laughs> but all humans we have that sixth yeah. sense right yeah, yeah. We, we all do um whether it's who knows what we're honing in on or what but like yeah. everybody can tell most humans can tell if someone's staring at them when they're sleeping right yeah but you, know? you, you could easily lose that and people have for mm -hmm. the most a lot of people have lost their yeah. that connection that that set extra mm -hmm. sense Mm -hmm. So it, you do need to hone it, and by putting right. yourself into those situations, mm -hmm. you, it comes back to you. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the draws that people have, even to camping. If you're, mm -hmm. you know, if you're living in a city and you go camping on the weekend or something, you're drawn to nature naturally mm -hmm. for a good reason. I mean, mm -hmm. that's who we are. Yeah. But to, I keep hearing this. Actually, a podcast just did with a, a Nate from Canadian Prepper the other day. He talked about take, mm -hmm. taking him three days to unwind from the city life to mm. when he gets out into the wilderness or even mm. camping with the family. Yeah. And I've heard that from a lot of people. I, yeah. I, that's not my experience, but a lot of people say that. So yeah, you, you need to 
I guess it would be hard to slow down. And you notice that even when you guys moved out here and where I am now, it's so silent mm-hmm. that you get you you are immersed and you're not inundated with all these extraneous noises and movements. I can just hear things better in general. Yeah. It's almost like you need to turn your own internal volume down when you go into the city. You know well, what I mean? Well, people call that um, with even with animals a sixth sense because mm-hmm. uh, let's say there's a deer in the woods right here and you do have lots around here that um, it'll turn and look at you and you, you didn't. Think you even made a noise or a, or a movement or anything, but they pick mm. up on it. Well, they're just so in tune that the, mm. you did make some kind of movement or you breathed mm. heavy, whatever it is. Mm. And when we have those senses too, so you mm. do know, you do feel that somebody's uh, looking over you, like you said. But it's probably because you're very slightly heard mm. breathing, you had slight movement or yeah. something. Even even the, maybe it's the air movement because yeah. they yeah. have moved in the air. Kind maybe, of. maybe, yeah. I, I, yeah, I don't, I don't know if it's what exactly it is, but yeah, maybe you subconsciously heard something, mm-hmm. you know, and, and when you spend more time in the bush, you, you start to realize like every noise comes from somewhere mm-hmm. and you start to realize and it's really exciting because you don't just write it off as a noise or yeah. a problem. Your your ear must be like uh, pulsing. No, that's a grouse drumming in the bush. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, like that's a bird apart. You know, or you hear a branch snap, and you're like, okay, that's a deer's antler hitting a branch, and you know, it's probably the antler's probably still in velvet. You know what I mean, or whatever. And all these things kind of. Or why is this bird making this noise or the squirrel making this noise, right? Mm-hmm. That means there's probably a predator mm-hmm. somewhere over there. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And you start to be able to, it's really fun. You start to be able to kind of put these kind of things together, which you've been camping with me and you notice I, try, I kind of vocalize a lot and maybe sometimes I'm wrong or sometimes I, I people don't believe me. But then, you know, I end up being right sometimes. Like, you know, <laughs> like remember the eagle nest? And I'm like, guys, there's got to be an eagle's nest around here. Mm-hmm. And I don't know who we're with, but they're like, oh yeah, eagle's nest, sure, Jim. Sure enough, we round the corner, there's an eagle's nest, because I could tell the way the eagle was mm-hmm. acting, that it was prote- protecting nests, which is yeah. just a simple example. But well, I, I do feel in a way that when I'm so heavily immersed in filming it, that I kind of lose yeah. that like uh, connection, but I'm not always so heavily immersed in filming it. And when you see me out there doing these like long, you know, two, three week solo trips, there are periods where I'm just like, and I think that's, I've come to realize, I do like traveling with other people better, but I've come mm-hmm. to realize it's one of the things I like about being solo out there is because you kind of really slow down, you get into almost like this meditative state and like really cool thoughts and ideas sort of just just come to you. Like you're not really trying to think about them. They just kind of come to you and you're like, you know, I don't know. It's just, you get into this kind of, zone where you're just completely in the moment and, and it's a pretty cool feeling. Well, I'd say, you, yeah, you, yeah. probably because th- that hyper-awareness is so yeah. important to your survival. Yeah. When you're alone, you can't count. I, I get people have been surprised to hear me say that I have a hard time sleeping when I'm alone out in the wilderness thinking, well, aren't you like nature boy and you just got so mm-hmm. at ease that you're comfortable and you go to sleep? Mm-hmm. Well, that's, that's a horrible survival thing if you yeah. sleep soundly <laughs> in the wilderness by yourself right right like there's yeah, a, yeah. there is threats i mean right. they're overblown generally well especially threats. you because half the time you're just in a bivy bag yeah so there's no no nobody to save you there's no alert mm-hmm. if you don't have a dog with you like no there's no warning early warning system so you have to be aware so mm-hmm. 
Don't I, I don't wish that I slept more deeply mm-hmm. when I'm alone in those situations. Now the other thing is, well, you want to be ready to jump up and film the bear, hoping that <laughs> that's the other camp. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah, most Turn, most I always leave food. I'm trying to get a bear to come right. so I can get some good footage. <laughs> <laughs> Never happens. Yeah. Which is yeah. the irony because people are like, "Aren't you afraid of bears?" Like I try so hard to see bears, to even see one. <laughs> I don't get to see one. Yeah. yeah, you know, to be honest with you, though, too, I, I've had some really great sleeps solo in like polar bear country but i did have a dog with me yeah that i did bring my dog into my tent mm-hmm. and then i put like a polar bear fence around which mm-hmm. isn't like an electric fence or anything it's actually just trip wires mm-hmm. that are connected to 12 gauge blanks yeah and so sometimes and i set it on like a, a hair trigger mm-hmm. so sometimes one goes off sometimes two goes off mm-hmm. maybe all of them go off you know and hopefully it scares the bear away animals yeah. generally don't like really loud noises right but uh yeah even you know my minus uh, 40 down sleeping bag even sometimes if it's really cold i put a liner in it but and that helps with the condensation but sometimes that's just too warm and then i have my big inflatable down i forget the make of it like x-ped Dead, like extra long, large, filled with down, so the cold doesn't come up. Oh, I'm like, man. this is more comfortable than my bed. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I know exactly. And you're camped on a perfectly flat surface. I'm camped on the frozen ocean by these yeah. towering cliffs, you know. And like, I might be crazy being out there, but I'm like, you know, I'm just like, yeah, if I die, I die. Well, that's know? that's the other. Yeah. That's yeah. yeah. If you're getting a deeper sleep, it, it's so uh, that's yeah. when I will get a deeper like sleep. Like I don't care. I will wake up though. Like, do I still, like, if, are you sleeping? Like, the ability to be able to be a soft sleeper and wake up if a bear's coming, but also get a decent sleep. I feel like that's, like, a skill. Yeah. You know what I mean? That, like, you yeah. know, maybe our ancestors were better than us at. Well, and then what yeah. kind of, wake, how do you wake up? Like, I wake up instantly, and mm-hmm. I can I can jump up and defend, or... I wake up and just start firing handguns. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sorry, just, just, yeah. Yeah. Just kidding. I, I, ha- I have, at one time I did that... And um, I fired a bear banger. So it's like a, a bear banger. It's like a, a really loud explosive that shoots about 50 yards and blows up. I know you know what it was, but in case some of your listeners don't. Yeah. And I just, I, I hear my dog like, <laughs> middle of the night, Arctic polar bear country, right? And I'm just like, oh shit, you know? <laughs> so I have this bear banger and I stick it out. Like the tent's got a little vent hole. So I stick my hand out there and boom, blast that off. I'm like, okay, I'll go back to bed. Well, in the morning, I woke up, and it was an Arctic fox mm. that coming over to check my stuff out. Mm-hmm. I had, like, so there, where I was camped, there wasn't enough snow to bury, so I have kind of like a, a stake that the little contraption for my bear fence is on. Okay. And, um, and so there wasn't enough snow to push it down, and so I had to cut, like, blocks of snow and make a snow blocks like that and then push this contraption in there so it would be mm-hmm. firm in the ground. And the uh, the Arctic fox had lifted its leg on that stack of blocks <laughs> right outside my tent. That's cool. Yeah. So when I got the, I got out of the tent first, take the f- t- fence down before I let my dog out, and the first thing my dog went <laughs> sniffing it on, then found the piss and it just like melted the whole little cairn and like overpowered the Arctic fox piss. But like <laughs> he was like, but he woke me up. So that's one good thing with having a dog there because like yeah. it could have been a bear, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A dog. Yeah. Dogs. <laughs> Yeah, I struggled with whether we got another dog when we did get Callie yeah. because of, that's nice to have. So, uh, but there's also lots of times it's inconvenient to have a dog on trips. Yeah, so, yeah. Like even I was thinking the last time I was here, we weren't fishing 
and it's actually two years ago, I think now. Yeah. And North was with us, but Kelly wasn't. And mm-hmm. those types of trips, I often don't take her with me. Right, it's right. Trying to fish, and you yeah, know, it's not that fun for her when I'm just. Yeah, then that when you when you're beating them on camera, it doesn't look good. <laughs> and you're just kidding. Actually, you think kids, you think kids are bad. Um, to what I mean, be bad, like because people, there's a lot of really people out there that think, God, that are just like I guess they call them like helicopter parents. Yeah. You know, like, yeah. like you know, like that think that if you're doing, well, that think if you're doing anything that's even what they would consider dangerous. Yeah. But you know what's dangerous? Driving on a two-lane highway. Like that's really dangerous. But you're used to that. Yeah. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. So like, imagine like visiting, let's say, a, a northern native community that was off the road system in 1960. They would probably think, "Oh my God, you're driving fast in a car." Maybe they've probably never driven a car. There's no road into there. You're driving a hundred miles an hour on a road with your family. They think that's crazy. Then the people who visit from the city would say, "You're going in a canoe with your kids? That's crazy." You know what I mean? Yeah. It's yeah. like probably the highway is statistically way more dangerous. But then the other one is dogs. People, if you like, they don't understand. Like, I, I'm going out with a husky, a husky Malamute, the thickest fur coat. You have been there. He got, we let him sleep in the tent. He panicked because yeah. it was too hot, <laughs> bashed himself under the wall, and slept outside when it was minus 34. Yeah. And the next morning, he looked like he might have had a little bit of a shiver going. So we offered him to go back to the tent. He's like, uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> no. You know, and so it's like, I'm taking my husky. They love the snow, they love to pull sleds. And I'm taking on an eight hour walk a day. How is this not like the most fun thing for a dog ever to do? Literally, which is yeah. why most yeah. of the breeds are actually bred for right. some kind of sport or, yeah. or not even sport, for yeah. some kind and of sport. And also, they, they love to have purpose. Yeah, dogs that's their love work. to have that's, purpose yeah, too, right? Same as us. We need purpose. Yeah, but like, you know, we've come to a time where it almost feels like unless your dog is a hundred percent comfortable yeah, at right. every turn doing exactly what it wants to be doing but that somehow that's bad yeah like, because that's know? what people expect of themselves too right, right? I, I said yeah, yeah I, I think that's a problem that yeah. I think we need an uncomfortable life in order mm-hmm. to be challenged and in order to be satisfied and yeah find meaning I think these simple lives that we're leading are really horrible physically and mentally yeah and yeah. spiritually and emotionally for yeah. humans and for animals whoever well didn't dick Prennicky say a little danger is good for a man <laughs> good for uh, for anybody we can yeah. say right but yeah, yeah i think he was hiking he's like oh it was dangerous but a little danger is good for me yeah. you know i think there's something to be said about that you know what i mean it makes you stop and be thankful to be alive well, you know well, what i mean yeah i mean it's pretty boring yeah. otherwise mm-hmm. i think so the i mean Self-reliance to me, like well, everything we're talking about, is mm. there's survival skills, and there's just self-reliance in in, in you know in an urban environment. There's lots of um, definitions of or lots of applications of self-reliance. So, mm. I mean, we're talking because um, because you're you know you take that on personally, and your idea is to be self-reliant or survivalist in mm. in nature. But people have different circumstances, so. Mm. Um, I'm just interested in, in the philosophy of it, of people taking responsibility for themselves, and mm. especially as a man, mm. which majority of people listening to this will be men and, and a lot of young men, and mm-hmm. like taking on the responsibility. You mentioned Dick Prennicky, but one of my problems with Dick Prennicky and the reason I don't really look up to him that much is mm. he chose not, he didn't have a family, mm-hmm. didn't have that, you know, so it doesn't, it doesn't count. No. <laughs> 
No, I just feel like that. That's not actually right. a meaningful enough right. life. I, it, mm. People, I think, um, were attracted to the simplicity of what it looked like his life was right. from fifty to eighty. But in the, in reality, I don't. I'm glad I had that challenge right. of raising a family. I, and I, 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 I laugh because I'm only partially joking. I know that's yeah. gonna, if, if somebody wants to make the decision that they don't want to have a family, to you know, all the power to them. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that, but like, yeah, when I see somebody that you know, is going on like a month long, two month long canoe expedition across the Arctic. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? I'm like, the joke is like, well, do they have kids? No. Well, it doesn't count. <laughs> Just for my own ego, you know? Yeah. Um, especially small kids, right? Because it is super challenging to get out there and do that stuff when you have a family. But without having a family like man my kids and my family and just the time I spend with them what could be more enriching of an experience than that mm-hmm. you know what I mean so well, I mean, at the end of the, your life it's 20 years really mm-hmm. 20 years of um, intense um, fatherhood basically Drinking, just kidding, just kidding. <laughs> you can do that before and after too though maybe a little bit more during that period. <laughs> just kidding. but it's no I think yeah, it's a so. worthwhile function I'm just encouraging like I, I, I was not this way. I always thought, well, yeah, you can have a pretty uh, full and meaningful life just being a bachelor, just being a young man and, or a, a man yeah. with no responsibilities. I guess that's what I'm getting at. The responsibility right. part of life, um, it, it's not meaningful. Or I don't find it, re- I think for most people, and generalizing here, but I think for most people, that they would find the, 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 their life lacking if they didn't take on re- lots of responsibility and not just act like a, a you know reckless person for your whole mm-hmm. life. Take on mm-hmm. some sort of responsibility. If it's not a family, then it's some kind of service to the community or mm-hmm. service to your country or whatever. Mm-hmm. I think there's meaning in that, mm-hmm. but I don't think it's something we should aspire or encourage people just to live single and alone or or you know, fulfilling their uh, fantasies and, their, and seeking happiness rather than meaning. Mm-hmm. I think it's mm-hmm. important that, because we do a lot of those things, we like we get challenged by being out in nature doing these things and mm-hmm. doing them solo, but I don't think that's a, an entire life of that right. is enough. So I just wrote an entire article on that. Oh, so, yeah, so it, it's, it's, a, it's called Born of the Wild Country. It's, it was for Explore Magazine, mm-hmm. but that's kind of what I directly reflect on it. And it's sort of like, you know, when that's what the problem is you hear all these super wealthy people and their parents want them to be happy and mm-hmm. so they get a Lamborghini when they're mm-hmm. 18 and they get all these freaking things that to make you happy but they're miserable mm-hmm. but these people are miserable right mm-hmm. it's it's the, the productivity that makes you happy if you focus yeah. on just being happy you're gonna like how long could you go to a, uh, a sit lie on a beach at an all-inclusive yeah. resort for until yeah. you're like what am I doing with my life mm-hmm. you know what I mean and so that was, you know, that, that, that sort of thing, it was sort of like people asked, you know, why do I was soloing the bonnet plume? That was sort of the trip around this, this story. And it's why do these things that are hard, right? And it, it, it reminded me, I think it was John A. Shedd who said it, was uh, a ship in the harbor is, is safe, but that's not what ships were built for. Right, yeah. And what that means is some, some you know, some uh, real, like, you know, safety is good and some comfort is okay but you know beyond the harbor you know beyond your comfort zone beyond what's what's you know people consider safe that's where real life and, and fulfillment and happiness it, it happens yeah you know I what agree. I mean? yeah totally. and that was sort of why what I was what the what that article that I wrote was kind of about it's sort of like the why behind doing these things mm-hmm. so, well, why would you want to go 
build a cabin. I heard one guy say, it was hilarious. He's like, why do I want to go outside? You know how much rent I pay for this place? Well, I'm going to pay all this rent and just go and hang out outside all the time. I'm like, that's such a good point. <laughs> you know what I mean? Or your mortgage, I pay a fortune my mortgage and I'm camping on a freaking river in northern BC all the time. Right? But, uh, you know, so you, you can see that perspective. But, man, I, I'll, you know, I, I got to say, it, oh, man, and just the struggle. I'm always doing these hard things. You know, I talked to my cousin the other day. I told you this before the podcast. He said, what, I said, what did you do? He's like, oh, you know, back to work. He went to work, uh, came home, watching the game. He's like, you? I'm like, oh, I'm working today. I was driving here trying to get this to get my podcast going and getting some guy to pick this up for me and then get like, you know, just like doing like a hundred things a mile a minute. And this is what you see behind the scenes in mm -hmm. a lot of my adventure videos and, and all this is all that work that goes into all the desk work and working with sponsors, planning the trip, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. And travel, like it can be hectic, but like, man, does it ever feel good when you look back and be like, holy crap, look at what I just accomplished. I can't imagine a better example of the, the cabins that you've built about like, do you ever just sit there and stare at them for like an hour? Like if I, I watch your, your last, the one where you the one where you put everything together, the last cabin you built. Yeah. And I'm like, this is the most impressive thing I think I've ever seen, you know? <laughs> without using any freaking big heavy machinery and shit like this. I'm like, you know what? Like I would like, I've tried to make a bow and arrow, like a self bow before mm -hmm. and like mm -hmm. got halfway through it and just gave up, like let alone yeah. something like that, which yeah, I'd no, love to do. My fear of getting into it would be like, I wouldn't be able to follow through with this, you know? Yeah, but it's everybody chooses something yeah. that they do and they're good at. You like, actually was when we were here, I think you and you asked Nate and me yeah. on this last little canoe trip we did here mm -hmm. about um, you know what bucket list big trips that we have and we didn't really have one because we do different things right right and that's what I focus on I yeah. build these shelters and build these homesteads yeah. so I think I think um, innately as sort of providing shelter for for somebody else for family right, right. because I'm actually nomadic in spirit myself uh -huh. like I have a feeling if I didn't get married I'd probably I, maybe I wouldn't live in a band you like I would have mm -hmm. that nomadic life and then I would you know have brief periods where I kind of homestead and like mm -hmm. grow some food and stuff but I think I would get restless and move on. It's hard to do it both man like I yeah. was when Tori and I had the pleasure of meeting these uh this uh, couple who've been living you know off grid outside of between like Lenore and Telegraph Creek mm -hmm. in northern BC for about 40 years and the guy had built his first home built burnt down in a forest fire then he built his entire second house, log home, out of all wood that he milled. It was like straight, like mm -hmm. milled logs and all the siding, everything in there. He got like a, a power, it's like, you know, he's using professional machinery to like power uh, make and Dremel, power sand, plane, everything, perfect lumber, perfect siding, like crazy. And then they're raising goats that they use for food and for milk and for cheese. You know, the sawmill, amazing. Uh, I didn't know what a good growing season because they light so much of the year. Yeah, but right. And then he makes all his own, grows all his own hay to feed the goats. Wow. A lot of people don't think that. When you're in such yeah. a remote location, how are you feeding these goats? It's funny, I just looked, yeah. I have a video I just released today talking about oh, cool. land, and you're not self sufficient if you're not actually growing the hay too, right. to feed the animals because yeah. there, especially, but even here, seven months of the year at right. least, you're not growing grass yeah. for your rent. And like that, that's not even something most people would think of. Yeah. You know what I mean? And then he's growing all this stuff. And that's then, but then I talked to 
Um, so he, his, his wife mainly manages a homestead. He's the one, you know, they're, they're probably, you know, about retirement age. Mm -hmm. And um, so she's doing mostly managing the homestead and he's doing that part time. But she says, well, I, you know, I can't really go anywhere. Yeah, exactly. Right. And so how do you, how are you? And as much as I love growing and we got a great bumper crop of squash this year oh my god was it ever good <laughs> you know with making it with the homemade maple syrup mm -hmm. having a meal of that squash eating it with maybe some, some venison that mm -hmm. you harvest and be like this whole meal except maybe the butter <laughs> is absolutely delicious super healthy and we provided all this for you know what i mean you know, I don't know a single person <coughs> go through that process of doing that, putting that meal together that wouldn't be just as proud as you are saying right, right now. That yeah. seems to be a universal thing. And mm -hmm. it's amazing that in the past that was the only way there Right. Like, like why are we proud that we put some Fed food together? Yeah, it's so basic. You know, yeah, didn't yeah. like literally everybody up to this point yeah. do that? Yeah, like somebody in 1805 would be like, congratulations, you're four years old. Yeah, right. you, you know what I mean? Like, that's not impressive. Right? Right. I made my own food. Like, you would have died two minutes ago if you didn't do that, right? Yeah. Like, geez, yeah. the basic human need. Like, yeah. I did it. Like, it's But that's crazy. what's crazy about our society. Yeah. We've literally, we've outsourced everything in our lives to the point where we are proud of ourselves when we do something right. that it's just functional. Like, it's just yeah. survival. I don't wipe my own ass. I have a bidet. Ha ha, fools. You know what I mean? Right. Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's what it, that's what's so attractive about these wilderness trips like mm -hmm. you're you're on your own you're putting it together you're self-sufficient you're you're responsible for it if you mess up you're dead or you're mm -hmm. you know in an inconvenient situation like losing the canoe mm -hmm. i mean that worked out you'll have to watch the video to see what the outcome of that was but yeah i mean everything has to be solved you you're forever given these challenges and you need to solve them and that's mm -hmm. what creates resilience mm -hmm. and that's mm -hmm. missing for a lot of people and i, I yeah, I think we seek it. Mm -hmm. I was talking to somebody recently about the micro challenges that are kind of um, encouraged by like the gurus, the fitness gurus, and the self help gurus, like mm -hmm. like the cold punch, for example. I mentioned mm -hmm. How about the life that we're living living right now, where you have to go outside every day and get some firewood. That's cold plunge enough. I don't right. need I don't need an artificial tub full of water to jump into. I, I <laughs> your life's a cold plunge. That's a good point. I actually, you see it behind me that all this wood that's stacked. So I actually, to be honest with you, like it better when it's not stacked mm. because even when it's minus thirty, and sometimes I go out, and I might not even be wearing shoes. I usually yeah, regret it, but I'm like, ah, whatever. I can't yeah. find my shoes. I just walk out there. Load it as much, do two two trips. It's just first light, you know, get the wood in the fire. Kids get warm, you know what I mean? And just that starting and that cold plunge, if you call it, in the morning like that, great start to the day. Mm -hmm. And I almost like it when there's no wood because it's a, it's just harder. And yeah. I get, you know, this takes maybe 20 trips to fill up. Mm -hmm. I'd rather almost just leave it like that. Yeah. Force me to go outside and start my day with cold exercise. Well, actually, yeah, I've got wood on me from doing that this morning. Barefoot. Yeah. So you, go, you get your grounding and your cold plunge right. before your first five minutes being awake in the morning. Yeah. So that's yeah. just setting, that's just that challenging life. And it's a, I, I don't know, I find it rewarding and I think a lot of people listening to this are looking for more meaning and, and satisfaction and, and it's coming from challenge and, and uh, purpose mm -hmm. and I, I just think it's, I mean, you can, like I said, you can create it, uh, sort of micro challenges or, you know, mm -hmm. sort of false challenges to overcome, even the weekend warrior type thing, mm -hmm. um, just 
because you need that in your life mm-hmm. and intuitively, instinctively, mm-hmm. you know that you need that, so you do seek it out and right. then you tell everybody about it when you get back on Monday. Right. When you go to work, oh, 100%. You yeah. That's how Tori was. She would, we'd go back when, uh, I guess I was already doing this full time, or I think I was working in mineral exploration and then doing this in between, so I'd be on stints and me and Tori would do these crazy like weekend warrior things and talk about being exhausted on Monday mm-hmm. morning. Why even put your gear away? Because you're just going to use it next weekend, so it's like lying in your house the whole time. You know what I mean? And then Tori would go to work, and she worked at like an office building in, in Newmarket, and insurance, and she'd take she'd take the one snippet was the craziest thing that happened, yeah, and right. everybody would be waiting for what Tori's crazy story was. <laughs> one time we were so thirsty that we had to drink water out of a puddle that had frogs all jumping all over the place. It looked like spring water, but there was like literally 20 frogs in it. Nice. You know what I mean? And we're just like, oh, I drinking this frog water so thankful for it that's what she tells him like why don't you tell him about the view when we got to the mm-hmm. top of the mountain instead yeah. of the frog water but yeah. she's like no the shock value is way way better yeah people want to hear yeah. the challenge they like the pretty part like i, yeah. I talked about that recently on my videos and i'm going to lose a lot of subscribers for that but uh i said it, i'm showing you the romantic part of it mm-hmm. and it's pretty you know that and i like making those videos like all the right. scenery and the oh, yeah. soft music if any or just nature sounds and that's a good part of it but a, but that does not do nearly as well. Like fewer people watch that than they do those things where Kelly and I got surrounded by wolves or whatever that challenge was or that. I beat a Sasquatch to death with my bare hands. <laughs> yeah. Or he killed a duck with a tilly hat and <laughs> flying it. hammer punch. <laughs> I can't believe that. So in that so in that scene, that was well, I forget what episode of Alone, yeah. but there was two cameras covering that. Yeah, right. And and so they they want us to be filming. And me and me and Ted are like switching out batteries, switching out memory cards every so often. They must have, to capture that scene of me power slamming this duck that just out of nowhere just walked through the woods near a fire, and I was able to like <laughs> react quickly and leak out and like flying hammer punch, right? But uh, to capture that, there must have been like. 40 hours of unusable mm, footage that right. someone must have had to go through True. and after that we're like that's why they want us filming all the yeah. time because they capture these like crazy things yeah I mean, nobody even believed it that people are like in the comments <laughs> like clearly the production company threw that there and i'm like how would they yeah, even possibly do that yeah. right like you know but anyways that yeah. was wild yeah. that's the stuff that happens in, mm. in nature when, or yeah. when you're challenging yourself the people are uh, we can miss that in our mundane lives if we don't put ourselves in those situations where unique and yeah. and sometimes scary, sometimes risky, or sometimes humorous situations right. can happen. Yeah. So yeah. that's that's what I like about living a life on the edge, and mm. it's not stable. I mean, mm. I fully fully expect my income to completely dry up and any sometime soon, especially because I'm becoming more vocal. But uh, mm-hmm. I, you know, that's just life. I gotta, I gotta do what I have to do and talk about what I want to talk about. And, right. You know, do the things I want to do, and I can't go. I can't uh, go back to this job. I made the decision ten years yeah. ago. I'm not. Uh, yeah. Like I'm not going to go down that corporate path anymore. Well, think think about think about with just you know, uncertainties in the future, recessions, and but to pro- all kind of, you know these kind of things. It's the people that are going to be the entrepreneurs that are probably the ones that are going to be okay. Which mm-hmm. is we probably don't go out there and consider ourselves as entrepreneurs, but we are. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There's, you're not going to be able to just like hide in a corporate structure mm-hmm. anymore. And big businesses, there's going to be layoffs. But when you can just be nimble and, yeah. and, 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 you know, predict what's coming and make the change. 
I've been lucky because I've actually done that by accident. Maybe that's my, my mm. sixth sense I learned in the bush. Who knows? <laughs> but like when when I changed from magazines to YouTube, mm -hmm. guess what tanked the mag uh, magazines to yeah. a large extent? Like Budget yeah. Scott Slack, print kind of ended around mm -hmm. that time. You know what I mean? And uh, I, I was, everybody's watching videos on YouTube, the magazines, websites, videos at that time weren't doing as well as they once did or on Facebook even. Algorithms change that are your hands, and I, I, I largely because uh, of talking to you about YouTube. Um, and it wasn't until about a year or two after I finished alone that I actually got serious about it. And I'm like, well, I really got to give this a try. Glad I did because you know yeah. it made a, it made a huge difference. And what I was doing before that went well. Kind I, of kaput. You know? Yeah, and look at yeah, well, yeah, similar to the magazines, Instagram. That was the thing, putting photo photographs up there. That's how people yeah. built accounts, and then suddenly videos were the thing. Right. And if you were photographers, like who cares? Yeah. Like that's yeah. that's the and old news. Even before that, doing working in mineral exploration, like that industry took a took a dive too. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, guess I'm a full time adventurer now. Yeah, right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like not probably not the best easiest career choice yeah you know, like i heard it from people back when i was like talking about how i wanted to do that i heard it from close family members well that's just not practical yeah, well, like, my little boy stop you, playing your yeah, fantasy adventure oh that's cute <laughs> you know you know right like right yeah. like literally stuff like that yeah right? but anyway well you, I th yeah i think you're right that nimbleness is really important and in yeah. uncertain times that becomes more critical than ever and putting yourself in situations or in a place in your cases moving mm -hmm. to a place where we, where it encourages that or requires i would say that nimbleness that mm -hmm. self-starter like right. that resp personal responsibility mm -hmm. i i had to detach from a place that mm -hmm. um didn't have that flexibility i guess when something happens when there's some uncertainty even if it's just losing a job like mm -hmm. people i people think that i'm talking about right now that you should be prepared for you know, major crisis events, like apocalyptic mm. events. Mm. I lost a job and I got, um, you know, with other everybody else four years ago, you know, when the economy was shut down mm -hmm. you know, for a short period and lots of other restrictions. Yeah. That's some, that. That's the thing that you're right. preparing for, right? right? It doesn't have to be... The end of the world. Right, yeah. Giant media. Yeah. yeah. No, I think that, I think too much of like preparedness people think of it like that and then they think that all oh, people are going too extreme but like a lot of people that are just common sense mm -hmm. preparedness if are you the people to, that get when a tornado hits well go to your you local know, government's yeah. uh, website and there will be a section in there about preparedness yeah like, like it's it's not no. a fringe thing. It's not right. the doomsday prepper, uh, you know, laughable right. you know, genre that it used to yeah. be. Like they, yeah. like you go to your local extension or whatever they call it, local uh, uh, health and welfare office or whatever. Right. They'll have a list of the things that everybody should have on hand, and it's right. anywhere from three days to thirty days where the things they say right. you should have. Right. Yeah, I and saw your uh, your root cellar, by the way, mm. being pretty stocked up. Well, we're fully, yeah, yeah. fully prepared and again if nothing else mm -hmm. like we have enough food on hand for four of us mm -hmm. and uh, enough garden space mm -hmm. enough hunting land and mm -hmm. game uh, population and uh, logistical knowledge that I've gained right. to be able to survive yeah. for a certain amount of time but if nothing else if there's no major event or even a short-term event that we need to be prepared for 
just the fact that we don't have to go to the grocery store mm -hmm. when we have a colder sickness like we're just mm -hmm. getting over right now or you know a snowstorm that's coming that's mm -hmm. probably predicting uh, power outages and everything mm -hmm. lots of things that we're prepared for but also uh, high, uh, high inflation. The inflation rate over the last several years is crazy. I'm I just did grocery shopping for my mom. She wasn't feeling too well and she wanted like certain things that were less, more like non-perishables, mm -hmm. which are usually cheaper. Mm -hmm. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Almost $400. Mm -hmm. And it's for like not even two weeks, maybe two weeks yeah. of food, if that. Yeah. Almost $400. It's just like, this is that, crazy. It's crazy. And we, yeah. like, yeah, you've, you're having, you know, you're, getting on your, you're doing well financially right now because of your hard work mm -hmm. and I'm doing the same, but uh, I've been poor in periods mm -hmm. of my life. I'm sure oh yeah, I mean, absolutely. I remember one year I was like below the poverty line. Mm -hmm. and I still had to pay like $2,500 in taxes. I'm like, <laughs> I thought the taxes were supposed to go to the poor. Like, are you just going to give this back to me? Like, what the hell? Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, yeah, when, it, when, man, when I started doing this, it was a struggle. That's, that's the, the thing though. Like, it's funny because like trying to get on YouTube, trying to be like his adventure or whatever, it's, a, it's something everybody wants to do. And it's like the things that are cool and fun that are like the hardest. And so probably people will be like, well, you're going to be a lot easier becoming a commercial real estate agent, which probably still isn't. Nothing's easy, but there are easier paths to like making an income for yourself. But with me, it's like the passion because you like it, it doesn't feel like work. So yeah, the only way I'm gonna be able to do as much work is if I'm really excitable about it. Yeah. Probably if I was passionate just about making money or if I love like, let's say, mm. hospital yeah. urinary receptacles. <laughs> I could probably go and make, you know, you know, like in the hospital, they give you a little piss jug. Like that guy is probably a multimillionaire who makes stuff. Yeah. And he's like, yeah, you go be the adventure, but I'm going to be living in a mansion over there making piss yeah. jugs. You yeah. know what I mean? And he, it's true. That's a great but, example. Yeah. I would have thought of that. Right. But I'm good. If I tried to do the piss jug route, if I went the piss jug route, I would have blown it because mm -hmm. I just wouldn't find the passion. You know mm -hmm. what I mean? Mm -hmm. I wouldn't, you know, I remember I saw Wayne Gretzky be asked somebody, he said, tell my kid how much you practice. And he's like, I yeah. never considered it practice. Yeah, right? it, actually. Yeah. yeah. And he's like, he's like, if I, he's like the amount of money and the amount of time and practice that you spend on things that you're passionate about to become somebody like Wayne Gretzky is the number is, is insane. Like most people would say that's insane. So if you're not passionate about it, there's, it, you, you know, you're never really going to be able to find the time to do it because it's going to feel like work. Yeah. And don't you do know? that to your kid. I think he even yeah. said, if they're not doing it right. because they want to do it, then don't put yeah. them through that because right. you have a dream for them. Right. And it's true. Like, like I, we, I've had businesses in the past, this business I always talk about that put me so massively in personal debt, taking mm -hmm. on the business debt was because I had no passion. Right. Like I was looking for, I was already looking for some uh, way to get out of that business into something else. And yeah. because I was doing that, I was, I'd lost focus and I right. wasn't willing to put everything I had into saving that business when the crisis hit. Mm -hmm. So it, it, as a result, it, it failed. And then mm -hmm. this, I went into it not making any money and not mm -hmm. even knowing how I would make money doing mm -hmm. it, making content. I didn't even know that was really a thing. I was yeah. just started it and then suddenly it's successful and, then, mm -hmm. and it's replaced my income. You did also, you didn't half-ass it though. 
yeah, well, built like a sick cabin, but that's something you were get like that when I, my understanding is you're like, well, I'm gonna, this is something I always wanted to do. Mm -hmm. I'm always going to do and go build a cabin in the woods. And you know what? I'm going to put a camera on it. If I could make ten, twenty thousand dollars in a year off of it, that would be incredibly amazing. Yeah. You know what I mean? That's kind of how you started the, yeah. the passion for living in the woods, kind of ability. You know that lifestyle was was came first before. Well, even better, the beauty of it was yeah. that I was building a homestead, especially mm -hmm. especially over the last four years, mm -hmm. because of the homestead. The income was secondary, but at, at the end of the day, if the, the mm -hmm. if I'm making income from the content. I end up, it's the thing that I've created that's more valuable than the money right. that came in, right? And you at least have a house. You don't <laughs> exactly, just have a line yeah. on the map like yeah. I do. Be like, well, I paddled from here to here. How much <laughs> you want to buy that for? Right. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. yeah. It's, like, it's written on a napkin, <laughs> probably. You know what I mean? Yeah. Yeah. So I end up with a food production systems and, and shelter and mm -hmm. food and, and water and energy that I also ended up getting paid for, for which is again not why I did it but it's also why I don't doesn't struggle I don't have to come up with ideas to make content right I'm just doing what I'm doing and mm -hmm. people have actually criticized or laughed or laughed with me at least mm -hmm. that I just put up a camera and just do stuff in front of it right <laughs> I right. just live my life in front of the camera right. And, right. and then I do a you know half-assed job of editing it and then it's people watch it so. <laughs> and maybe that's they don't. one good thing about your content it's not so hard to edit like mine is that well, well some of my stuff is the same but like yeah. the stuff where I'm in a canoe and I have two cameras and remember the one where me and Ted did a trip and we each had our own canoe and yeah. then we traded footage so I had Ted's two GoPros my two mm -hmm. GoPros Ted's other camera that he pull out and shoot my other camera that he pull out and shoot a drone and you know what I mean? Just it's horrible average, editing. Yeah, like, yeah, it's oh so God. difficult. Yeah, like that was you know became a life sucking abyss. But you know, I just yeah. I stayed at it. Well, and it's difficult to uh, yeah. I, I don't relish. I don't like that part so much where I have all this different footage. And when we've gone on trips, we've mm -hmm. done that in the past where we share footage. Right. And it and it works. I mean, mm -hmm. but in a lot of cases, he, like Ted got a lot of footage of me on our canoe trip last year with, yeah. with Nate. And I used some of it, and it was valuable. Like me catching a fish, you could get it from yeah. a different perspective. Yeah, how do you really film that for yeah. yourself? And yeah, it's like it's like what we talked about. You don't think of, you'd have to run the camera all of the time for, to get yeah. you actually catching the fish. Yeah, yeah. And you're not not going to do it. You know, yeah. film fishing that is the next hardest next to hunting. Yeah, like think about how many. How many yeah. uh, uh, times, you know, Bob Azumi's got a uh, shooter has just got him casting and reeling mm -hmm. to nothing. Probably just like a hundred thousand times mm -hmm. or more, right? Mm -hmm. And then if you miss that shot when you're catching the fish, well, that's the, that's, you don't have a show. Mm -hmm. you know I mean? yeah, exactly, yeah. 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 No, I, I'm happy doing what I'm doing and I mm -hmm. don't want to take on more of that type of stuff, but mm -hmm. I do want to spend more time getting still on some trips and I don't even know if it'll happen this year because it's yeah. we're just I'm getting to that point where I've got the two places you know getting yeah. to them they're almost fully self-sufficient at this point and I'm looking at now providing for the community and for the family more mm -hmm. and I need to just make sure that stuff is honed right in before mm -hmm. I start being selfish and doing trips and things but right right yeah but that's I mean, yeah. but wait a minute, wait a minute. Being doing trips is selfish. That's what I do. <laughs> well, you're doing it with f family now too, but it's well, also your main source of income for right, your family, yeah, and that is a per that's a responsibility yeah. for a man is to provide. Yeah, yeah, and it's a, it's a really good feeling to be able to do that. I think if that's just 
societal or it's evolutionary or bit yeah, both maybe but yeah, I think you, you do but like yeah the one I wanted to do with you would have been one of those amazing brook trout rivers that goes up to Hudson Bay or to James Bay funny I actually was going to suggest exactly <coughs> something like that because yeah. I kind of I want on my bucket list to get a mm -hmm. um, said yeah a couple of big uh, brook trout I want mm -hmm. just want to my biggest is five pounds yeah. on the scale so like probably in reality about seven pounds yeah Right. <laughs> it's been fish stories. Yes, <laughs> well, all good stories deserve embellishment, right? Yeah. Yeah. You said that, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah, what's the author that wrote Lord of the Rings? Oh, yeah. All good Both stories things. deserve some embellishment. <laughs> yeah. Well, I think, uh, I don't know if you had anything else you wanted to say on this podcast. What, what, just oh, from man. the audience perspective, we're going to keep it going but Jim's gonna interview me now so I'm not sure if there's anything to talk about but yeah we're, we're just gonna sit there and stare at the wall yeah. for my one <laughs> great I'll think of something well we're gonna I want to continue to have to, to uh, like I think we should have a couple more to podcasts even this year just continue okay. the, the yeah. talks but especially out on a trip yeah that'd be fun different perspective yeah. you know when you're out doing the thing mm -hmm. and talking about what you're doing but also go to those challenges and why are we even doing this mm -hmm. <laughs> like, when our mortgages are cost us when our rent is this much why the hell are we outside you know what i mean mm -hmm. yeah it's a mm -hmm. good question for some mm -hmm. right on all right well i'll put all the ways in the description below with link to all the jim's content uh, i suggest going and checking out his latest video series we start talking about the quality of the edits and the storytelling and that's what really videos YouTube is really uh, becoming a storytelling platform, not just you know tutorials and guys with camera just capturing something and throwing it online. Like the editing's gotten so much better over time for in a lot of cases, and in Jim's case, it was brutal trying to watch his stuff at the beginning, but it's really <laughs> it is, uh, no, it's really good storytelling, and the adventures are pretty cool and unique. And the, thank you, it's very inspiring to see what they're as a family what they're doing and um, like we're super impressed with the amount of effort they put into their trips and now the storytelling part of it as well it's uh, well worth a watch so yeah thanks Sean all right thank you mm -hmm.